0: Remain standing and pray with me. Father, would you pour out your spirit upon your people afresh and anew this morning? We pray in what little faith we have. We pray confidently that Jesus honors his promises. I know I need the spirit for I am not able to do what I am up here to do. Be with the preaching of your word. May it honor you. May it bring us to a greater depth of knowledge of you and our place in your world and in your kingdom. We pray in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Well, last week we began our series in the book of Acts that we're going to be going through throughout the summer. And we looked at how Luke situated his narrative within this overarching true story of the world. This overarching story of what God is doing in the world that finds at its center, that finds at its climax, Jesus Christ. Crucified. Died. But... Three days later, through the power of God, risen to new life. And now, just ten days ago, right, as we move through this story again each year, just ten days ago, ascended to the Father to be at his right hand, to rule and reign in heaven over all the earth. This is the larger, this is the bigger true story of the world that Luke situates the entire book within. And it's this story that gives significance and meaning and purpose to all the little stories and acts that we encounter. And we went over that last week. And this is also the true story that gives meaning and significance and purpose to each of our lives and the stories of our lives. And we ought to see ourselves wrapped up and drawn into what God is doing, this unfolding drama of what God is doing on earth, in Jesus and through the Spirit, at work, in you, in us together as the church. And now, on Pentecost Sunday, we come to that final piece of that larger story that we need to be set in place before we move throughout the book. And that final piece is what? Any guesses what we're doing here on Pentecost Sunday? Are we going to have to go through foundations again? Everyone, the Holy Spirit descending on the church. This has been in our readings. This is in our prayers this Sunday. This is the final piece of the story for us as the church. Not the ultimate end, right? We long for new creation to be here full, but right now, this is the final bit of the story that we need to live our lives by. This is the final bit of the story that we need to understand the stories throughout the book of Acts is that the Spirit has fallen on the church of the power of God has fallen on the church to energize us, to empower us to do the work that God has given us to do, which is what? Church, what is that work? Go out to go out and make disciples, to bear witness to the good news of God's kingdom. Thank you, Rebecca. You get brownie points, a sticker maybe afterwards if we have one. up. I know we have one upstairs in the catechesis room. You get a sticker. But this is what we celebrate each Pentecost, that God has not left us alone when Jesus ascended. the Jesus ascends and he does not leave us here by ourselves. No, he sends the Spirit to empower us to be what we have always been meant to be and to do what God has called us to do, that is to bear witness to this new thing that he is doing. We hear this at the beginning of Acts in verses 4 and 5 of chapter 1. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, the promised Holy Spirit that would come on them in power. And in Acts 1.8, when he sends them out, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then, and only then, will you be my witnesses from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. You see, in the resurrection, God demonstrated his creative power by taking the dead body of Jesus the real dead body of jesus and re-energizing it making it new new creation in that moment of resurrection is here what the whole scriptures have been pointing to as the end new creation god doing something radically new joining together heaven and earth is done initially in the body of jesus christ new creation has begun the kingdom of god has begun in the risen jesus in the words of C.S. Lewis from The Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe, death begins to work backwards. The real flesh and blood body of Jesus is the first part of this new creation on earth. It's the first part of this earth that is being restored and transformed into new creation, in which heaven and earth are finally joined together. You realize at the beginning of the story in creation, what are the two things that are initially separated? heaven and earth. And what is the entire story moving towards? The bringing back together again of heaven and earth. Humanity had a place in that, but abdicated its role, but God would not let them go, and he sends Christ to come and redeem, and that's what he accomplishes on the cross, and that's what God validates at the resurrection, and now Jesus has ascended, and he's administering his sovereign rule of justice and mercy and healing and forgiveness over all the earth. And don't we need that? And this is where we find the church on Pentecost Sunday, waiting Jesus has just ascended 10 days ago, and he told them, go back to Jerusalem and wait. Wait there. And this is where we find them this morning in our reading that that Gary read so beautifully for us. Thank you, Gary. The disciples are waiting. As verse 1 tells us, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place waiting. Waiting. And indeed, their waiting was worship. Because what do you do? when the cosmic Lord, when the king of all the universe has ascended his throne in heaven, what do you do? You worship. You worship through prayer, the reading of scripture, the sacraments, because we are joining ourselves together with what is already going on always, always, at every moment in heaven. When we see glimpses of heaven in the book of Revelation, what's taking place? Worship. Worship. Before the throne, you have God seated at his right hand. There is the lamb slain, the lion that looks like a lamb. And what is all of heaven doing? All of heaven, the angels, all the saints and martyrs that have gone before us, stand and sit and kneel and lay prostrate around the throne of God in worship. So it's natural that when Jesus ascends to the Father's right hand in heaven, that the church gets together. (laughs) because this is what all of God's people are doing throughout all history who have gone before us. They are getting together all the time before the throne and worshiping, and it's on a community that worships, that submits itself to the worship of the risen Jesus in prayer and scripture and sacrament, and it's on this community that God pours out his spirit. Not any other way, not by yourself out in the woods, though I'm sure God can do that, but that's not the way he's working in this world at this moment. He works through the gathered community, gathered in submissive worship to King Jesus, and it's that community submitted obediently to the King on whom the Spirit is poured out. And we hear this pouring out of the Spirit in Acts 2 Verses 2 through 4. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in tongues, languages, as the Spirit gave them utterance. The first four verses of Acts 2 present a foundational truth that we must get down and never never lose sight of it as the church in general and particularly as christ church we cannot lose sight of this foundational truth and here is this truth the beginning of the mission to bear witness to the good news about jesus that's what he's called us to in acts 1 8 bear witness to me from jerusalem to the ends of the earth the beginning of that mission is not our actions The beginning of that mission is not our actions, but it is the presence of a new reality. It's the presence of God, of the Spirit of God in power. We have to, we can never lose sight of that. We have to stand firmly on the foundation that God's kingdom advances only by the Spirit's power at work in the church. You cannot bring in the kingdom of God. Only his spirit can do that. Empowering you, strengthening you, energizing you, animating you to be new creation. Because that's what God is doing. What he has done already in Jesus in full, he is doing in your lives, in your bodies, in your hearts, in your minds, in your souls. He is making you and has made you new. You have been equipped to proclaim the good news throughout all the world. Yet in our desire to take up this mission, I know we desire that at Christ Church, but in our desire to take up this mission to bear witness to Jesus and his kingdom, we must never forget that it begins with the spirit always and everywhere, the presence of God in power. And if we forget this foundational truth, then we will be tempted to view our own strategies, our own plans, our own efforts, as the way in which the kingdom unfolds on earth, as it is in our brains, right? as it is in our thoughts. And we will turn the church's mission into either a military operation with military precision, well thought out, or we will turn it into a sales pitch. To avoid those pitfalls, we have to rest upon the presence, the empowering, the indwelling presence of God's spirit in us. And if you don't know what that's like, if you say, I was baptized, but I don't know what this presence of the Spirit of God is like, here's an easy way to find out. Obey God. We heard it in the gospel reading. Obey Jesus, and I will ask the Father to send the Spirit on you. And then we also heard this. Ask whatever you desire in my name, and the Father will give it to you. I will give it to you. And so Christ Church, if you desire an outpouring afresh of God's spirit, obey Jesus, love God, love others, and desperately pray day in and day out for the spirit of God to be poured out on you. And God will answer your prayer. He will fulfill the promise of Jesus. He will pour his spirit out on you and make you new. The beginning of the mission to bear witness to the good news about Jesus and God's kingdom begins with the presence of the Holy Spirit in power poured out on the church. A story from the ministry of Leslie Newbegin uh, illustrates this well. Newbegin was a Presbyterian turned Anglican bishop in the Church of South India. That was a conglomeration of several Protestant churches and Nubian heard that in his diocese there had been this spurt of conversions and baptisms, about 40 folks in the industrial part of Madras. And so he goes to Madras to find out what in the world is going on. He's checking up as any good bishop would. And when he gets there, he invites all these new converts to tell their stories. Each of their stories was different, and in each case their coming to Christ was a series of events over a period of time. It might have been a talk on a factory floor with a friend, a visit from a Christian during an illness, the reading of a tract or a portion of scripture, an act of kindness, a sermon, a prayer, a dream, a vision. Newbegin concluded that it must have been the work of who? The Spirit of God at work. And he stated, no one could have programmed all this. No one could have designed all this. No one's strategy could have orchestrated all of this. The strategy, if that is the right word for it, was not in any human hands. It was the Holy Spirit, who is the primary missionary of God's kingdom on this earth. Our witness is secondary. Not not unimportant. Our witness is essential because, right, Jesus has commanded us to bear witness but it is always secondary to the witness of the Spirit, to the missionary heart of the Spirit that's sole intent and purpose in this world is to bear witness to the good news about Jesus Christ, to bear witness to his reign of justice and healing and mercy. If the mission to bear witness to Jesus from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth begins with the presence of the Spirit of God poured out in power, then what is it that we see the Spirit doing or orchestrating on the day of Pentecost. We see the Spirit of God creating a new humanity, creating a new people from whom and through whom he will witness to Jesus. And we see this wrapped up in in two images and a reference to a story. Those two rich images from the Old Testament are wind and fire. In the Old Testament, wind, spirit, breath is this rich imagery of God's creative power to bring about something new, to bring about new life on this earth. We see it crop up all over the early chapters of Genesis. In Genesis 1, verse 2, we find that the earth is in this unproductive state, no life. It's completely covered in darkness and submerged in life-threatening and chaotic waters. And what happens next? The third clause of verse 2, the what? The Spirit of God hovers over the face of the deep. And what emerges? Light and life. The Spirit of God is present, hovers over the dark, chaotic waters of death. And what emerges from the presence of the Spirit? Light and life. Genesis 2, 7. God is at work fashioning the first human being, and he breathes into his his nostrils the breath of life, breath, wind that comes from the, 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 the Father. And what happens? That piece, that lump of human clay becomes enlivened. A living person, an enfleshed soul. Genesis 8.1 God has just been in the, has reached the climax of his judgment over all the earth because of human violence and evil through the waters of the flood and what do we see in Genesis 8.1? Does anyone know? God says he remembers Noah All the animals, all the livestock who are in the ark with him during the flood, and he sends what? A strong wind. And that wind does what? It recedes the waters of the flood. It recedes the waters of judgment. New ground emerges again. Light is able to re-energize the earth again and to bring about life. And now the life on the ark is able to be sustained and nourish and flourish on earth once again. Death begins to work backwards when the Spirit of God shows up. So wind, a mighty rushing wind. Any reader of the Old Testament would be keen to know what's happening right now. God is doing a new work of creation. But then fire. These tongues descend as fire on the heads of these folks. Again, another rich imagery. This one now coming from Exodus And in Exodus 3, we have God appearing to Moses in what? A burning bush. And what is God calling Moses to do but to free and redeem a people who have been enslaved and to make them into a new nation? Exodus 13, they're on their way out of Egypt. They're being freed from slavery and they run up against the Red Sea Pharaoh's army is chasing behind them. You can hear the chariots coming. And what happens? What does God do in that moment? He descends between them and the Egyptians as a pillar of fire. God ensures that his work of creating new people continues. Exodus 19 and 20. What happens? Israel arrives finally at the mountain of God, Mount Sinai, And God's presence descends on the mountain. And what does it look like? How is it manifested? As dark clouds and fire and thunder. God's presence is awful. But it's amazing. And he warns them, don't come near this mountain. But what is God doing while he's on the mountain? He's creating a new people by a giving of his law. And so when we come and we hear and we want to be We want to be smart readers, attentive readers of Scripture. When we come and we hear that the Spirit is descending on the people as wind and fire, we know that God is doing a new work of creation, and it's a particular work of creating a new people. Just like Israel was to be a kingdom of priests, God is making the church to be his priests on earth, to mediate his presence, to bear witness to his kingdom, and he is descending upon them. Not just giving them tablets of stone, but he is writing on their hearts through his spirit. New life. The law of God is not an object external to us no longer, but it is written deep in our hearts as followers of Jesus. This is what God is doing at Pentecost. He is making a new People, He's doing a new thing. He's doing a new work of creation. And so how does the church, as this new people, this new humanity, bear witness to Jesus and God's kingdom? The church bears witness to Jesus through its total life, gathering to worship and scattering to witness. We will see that rhythm. We will see that moving in and moving out all throughout the book of Acts. They go out, they bear witness, they retreat back in, and to, what do they do? They worship through prayer, reading of scripture. They go back out, empowered and emboldened and, and given courage by the Spirit to do it again, and they retreat back, and they worship, they pray, and they go back out. What do we do each week? What's the rhythm of our worship together as the church? We come here. We gather together together. We worship, we pray to God, we receive from his word and his sacraments nourishment for new life, and we go back out. We scatter, we worship, we bear witness to the good news of Jesus Christ. The spirit of God is poured out in power upon people, gathered in submission to King Jesus, devoted to prayer and scripture. Again, this is how you will have the spirit poured out on you, devoting yourself obediently to prayer and scripture and living it out as a total way of life. The Spirit of God descends upon a worshiping community, and in the church, as a worshiping community submitted to King Jesus, the Spirit works transformations, restoring and healing and creating new lives out of old lives that were dead. This is each of our stories, is it not? that we were all lost, as Paul says in Ephesians, dead in our trespasses and sins, but God. But God poured out his spirit on us. But God directed providentially, sovereignly, supernaturally, people to come into our lives to live out and to proclaim to us the good news of Jesus, whether that was our parents, or whether that was our neighbor, or whether that was our mother's our friend's mother, or whatever it might have been, God has directed that. He has brought you into this community. And the first work, as a sign of the Spirit, as a sign of the new kingdom, is that you are being restored, remade, healed, and renewed. The fruit of the Spirit's teaching is manifested among us. This bears witness to the kingdom of God. Because this place, when we gather together for worship, becomes a schoolhouse of love. Where we learn to love God and we learn to love one another. And we take what we learn and we go out into the world to love our neighbors with the love of Christ. Relentlessly loving them with the good news of Jesus. Loving them with the power that the Spirit gives us. Loving them with the nourishment that we receive from the blood and body of Jesus each week here around the table. This is what we do when we gather we become faithful pupils of the Spirit who is here in our midst to train us in the ways of God. Here in our midst, the Spirit of God makes present and works out locally in our lives Christ's cosmic redemption and restoration. The gospel isn't locally sourced, but it's locally applied. It's locally furthered. It's locally embodied. Don't miss sight of that. So much of our world gets caught up on television and news that removes us from our local communities and casts our vision outside of them on the global scale. I want us to look close at hand. Look at your neighbors. Look at this city and pray for God's spirit to be poured out upon it. The spirit is at work in our midst. He trains us as this master teacher. And we are his apprentices. He trains us to love God and love others faithfully in the way of Jesus. That's the way of denying ourselves and taking up our cross and following him. Our gathered in common life together, our life of worship, is a sign in itself of God's kingdom. What we're doing right now this morning is a sign itself of God's kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. From this community... Word and deeds flow into the world that bear witness to Jesus and his good news, the good news of his rule and reign. And so then the Spirit takes us, right? It's fallen upon us, and we pray to God it falls upon us afresh each Sunday, and then the Spirit takes us out those doors and scatters us all across the region here. Whether it's in High Point, Tracy, the Jones, whether it's in Wahlberg, wherever it is, whether we're right here in Winston-Salem or Ardmore, the Spirit takes us out these doors into all of this area. To do what? To bear witness to the good news of Jesus, where he has providentially set you in your work, at your school, in your home, in your neighborhood, wherever you frequent your grocery store, God has providentially set you there. You may have thought you had reasons for being there other than God's Spirit, but God's Spirit and God himself was at work in you to make all those decisions that led you to these particular places. And you must see, we must see, have our eyes opened up, have our imaginations expanded to see that God is desiring to use us through the power of the Spirit to proclaim the kingdom of God in each one of those places to embody the good news of this new life that can be had for everyone, that you can be forgiven. And don't we need forgiveness in our world? Alex shared with me an article, I read this this week by, we might post it in the parish notes, it's so good, by Tim Keller. Kind of traditionally, Tim Keller does really good things. but he, he draws this highlight. He highlights the fact that in our culture, forgiveness is lacking and it's increasingly eroding. We don't know how to forgive. We know how to cancel. We know how to smear, but we don't know how to forgive. And what a testimony, what good news the Spirit can proclaim through our lives when He empowers us to do what God does for us to forgive. This is what we desire each week when we really pray the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us our trespasses as you forgive us ours. God, restore us to yourself. Restore us to one another. Let your kingdom break in just a little bit further through this act of forgiveness and reconciliation. We can embody the new life of the kingdom of God right here. You have been given all authority and power from heaven. Don't miss the fact that Christ goes up into heaven and from heaven the spirit comes down and the church moves forth, expanding and spreading the kingdom of God as they submit to the spirit working in their midst. When we embody in this city the life of God's kingdom made manifest in acts of love and forgiveness and reconciliation, these acts and deeds become in themselves signs of the kingdom of God, and people will begin to ask you, why are you doing this? Why did you sacrifice that? Why did you forgive me? Why did you forgive them? Why did you do whatever you just did? Why did you do that? How could you forgive that person? Why were you kind to me? Why did you have compassion for me? Our deeds bear witness to the kingdom of God just like the sign of tongues bore witness to the kingdom of God in Acts. Yet those signs in themselves are not sufficient. There needs to be explanation. Peter does that when the people are like, what does this mean? And some are saying they're drunk. And he's saying it's not time to be drunk yet. It hasn't been enough time. We all know how long it takes to get drunk, and it's only the third hour of the day. It's not enough time. What else is going on? And Peter proclaims the good news of Jesus that God is doing something new. And so when you go out and you witness to the good news of Jesus in your deeds and in your actions and people ask you, why do you do this? How could you possibly sacrifice finances for that? You can respond to them as Peter responded that Jesus has done something new in my life. He has healed me. He has forgiven me. He's transformed my marriage. He's transformed our friendships. My children are being reconciled to me. Jesus is doing something new. Christ Church, Jesus is doing something new. And he has been for a long time. And he longs to do something new in your life and in our common life together here. Pray with me over this summer that the Spirit would be unleashed upon us and poured out on us anew and afresh to do this. And I want us to pray specifically in this way, that the Spirit would give us eyes to see the brokenness and the misery and the hurt that is in our community, in the places that we inhabit, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our families, wherever we are in the grocery store and that he not only gives us vision to see it to be perceptive to it not to look overlook it and pass by it but to see it and to have compassion and to have that compassion enlivened with action in deeds of love and forgiveness and reconciliation in hospitality and generosity. And then whenever we get the opportunity, and you will, because God's spirit longs to proclaim that Jesus is Lord and King, you can speak boldly and courageously about the good news of Jesus. Will you pray with me over this summer for God to do that? I want that in my life. I want that in your life. God wants that in our lives. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.